0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today is the second Sunday after Pentecost. We have transitioned in our liturgical calendar from our feast day last week, Trinity Sunday, and the season of Easter into this next time being Pentecost. Uh, And then our next big season, Advent. It's also known as ordinary time, but it's not about the ordinary, but rather the, very, the everyday miracles and work of Jesus during this time. You will notice that the liturgical colors have changed to green and you'll see our vestments and our altar dressed in green as well. And during the season, we listen to the stories of other major characters in scripture. Today, we specifically hear about Abraham, the prophet of Hosea, Matthew, the girl who rose, and the woman who Jesus heals. Many different forms of healing that took, that looked and took place at a different time. And what we see and what we hear are people trying to make meaning of what is happening, both the characters in scripture, but also all of us trying to discern, to interpret scripture as we hear it today. So of course it can be overwhelming to decide on just a few highlights or takeaways but here are three statements that i hope we can all agree that come from all of our lessons today follow me i desire mercy not sacrifice making god's saving power available now jesus in our gospel Calls Matthew to be his disciple today. And now, Matthew, a tax collector, gets up and does exactly as he is told. This sinner gets up and becomes a disciple. What is that all about? I think that what angers us religious folks sometimes, or people who just feel righteous, is how can Jesus call him to be a disciple, this sinner? Now, tax collectors are not known to be good people. And this can be difficult for most of us to understand. Why do good things happen to bad people? And all these lessons, we witness a faith that cannot be explained or that is put into action in words. A faith that changes hearts. Who knows what Matthew's schedule is like at the time, but I know that come tax filing season, the IRS is usually busy at work. Jesus knew what the duties of Matthew at that time were and still commanded him to follow him. Jesus was not calling someone who was just sitting around. Matthew, whether we agree with how he made his money or not, was called when he was on his job. He was sitting at a tax booth, charging all those passing through from town to town. And then we hear of Abraham How old was he when God fulfilled his promise to him? When we hear about the stories of these major characters in the Bible, it seems like they have quite a few things in common. And today, they are busy. They are not hanging out waiting on something to happen. Yet, without asking, Matthew rose up and followed Jesus. And Abraham trusted that God would do as he said. A new life for Matthew, a new opportunity to experience God's saving power through Jesus, mercy and action. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings, Hosea 6.6 this morning. And then a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before Jesus, a humbling action for a leader of that time. A story with another story intertwined, and I'll add that this is helpful for those of us who are very easily distracted. Well played, Matthew. Well played. Very inclusive of all learning abilities, connecting these two different stories and putting two different parts in this gospel. There's this woman considered an outcast. So after we hear that the the leader of the synagogue knelt down, there's this woman considered an outcast and impure. It's not stated, But based on what we know, she should be considered an outsider because her disease has lasted for 12 years. She decides she will touch Jesus because she believes. I will be made well. And her faith instantly made her well. And then we go back to the leader whose daughter has died. The flute players ready and the crowd already already gathered in this man's house. And so, so I started thinking, well, well the, the, the process of dying and what it looks like, is so different in many t- cultures. And I thought, of my own personal experience, you know, and in El Salvador, where my family is from, the body of your loved one is gently bathed and clothed. If they didn't die at home, then they're brought home. And usually it's, um, that they're, they're, all of the, all this process happens in the home. So people gather, and then the the dead, your loved one, is bathed and clothed, and then the person who comes will embalm at your house, and then um, there's a, they're, then they're placed in the casket for all who are gathered and who are mourning. So this this ritual, or um, I see connected to our scripture today, because I was trying to think of how why was it included in our gospel? The flute players and the group gathered. And so in El Salvador, there's also coffee, there's bread, there's tamales, there's spontaneous prayer, there's conversations happening. And usually there is music as well. The death is confirmed by all of these rituals or all of these actions, right? It's not like the daughter of this leader was dying. She was dead. And, by, and what the, the, this gospel is telling us is, is giving us that fact by including those two details. But here in this commotion, and in the midst of the instruments playing, Jesus takes a girl by the hand and the girl got up. Two stories, two very different situations, two different ways of healing. Available to Matthew when, when seen as a corrupt sinner, as a tax collector, Available to the daughter of this leader of the synagogue who was dead. Available to the woman who was bleeding. And most likely of low socioeconomic status. God's saving power available to all of them. What it must have meant to this woman who lived 12 years as an outcast. Oppressed. Probably considered to be as contagious or as dirty or as the equivalent to even COVID today. Theologian Gustavo Gutierrez, when commenting on Matthew's gospel, claims that Jesus' teaching starts with the poor and ends with the poor. And to completely understand God's kingdom, one must become poor or be committed to them, committed to calling out the injustices, committed to providing access for others to experience God. In the face of the poor, we must discover also the face of of Jesus Christ, for I desire steadfast love. One of my favorite quotes from Monsenor Oscar Romero is I will not tire of declaring that if we really want an effective end to violence, we must remove the violence that lies at the root of all violence. Structural violence, social injustice, exclusion of citizens from the management of the country, repression. All this is what constitutes the primal cause from which the rest flows naturally. Monsignor Oscar Romero was not afraid to call out the injustices carried out both by the Salvadorian government and the United States at the time. Making through his actions, through his peace, through his preaching and through his speaking, God's saving power to all to all, even when others abuse their positions of authority, even when faced with fear. We follow even when we are afraid. We respond even when we do not feel equipped to do so. Jesus sought the dignity and justice of every human being, and we are called to do the same. This looks different for all of us. We do this by speaking up and honoring the stories of all. We listen to understand, and just as we are called as individuals, we are also called as a church. Bishops United Against Gun Violence remind us that we believe in a God of life in the face of death who calls our church to speak and act decisively against the unholy trinity of poverty, racism, and violence. We are called to do hard things. We are called to witness God's saving power. The same saving power that protected and cared for four lost children 40 days and found after a plane crash in a Colombian jungle. The same saving power that shows up when politicians seek to jeopardize the lives of Florida migrant workers by passing laws that they quickly realize harm all of us in the process. This is why we celebrate Pride Month. This is why we have Black History Month. This is why we remember Asian American and Pacific Islander Month, Latino Hispanic Heritage Month, Gun Violence Awareness Month, Autism Awareness Month, Down Syndrome Awareness Month, to make us all aware of how big our table needs to be. I was not aware or worried about the formula shortage in our country until I had no option but to worry because my child relied on it. I was not aware of how many green spaces or even kid-friendly parks lack in my zip code compared to nearby Westview zip code until I had to, until I had a child and realized how important green spaces are. That's what scripture does. Makes us aware of the other. Just as Jesus makes it matter, Jesus calls us to do this transform to this transformative love that is available to tax collectors, to sinners like you and me. Even when it angers us, it is available to the person we least want it available to sometimes. We recognize someone's humanity in proportion to the attention you give them. The habitually ignored aren't granted their full humanity, but when the ignored force us to give them our attention, our passive dehumanization becomes active and cruel violence erupts. Mackie Ash Van Seenwick from the Center for Prophetic Imagination. So I invite you all today to think and wonder how, in ways that we can fully participate and welcome all to the table and be intentional in ways that we care for our neighbors. Amen.